Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. All right, we're going to take a moment of prayer this morning. Uh, <clears throat> this week feels a little heavy to me, if I could be honest with you. Uh, I don't know about you, but you're probably there with me to some degree. Uh, our entire nation, if you haven't noticed, is sort of up, up in arms. Uh, we have a lot of unrest going on, whether it be coronavirus, whether it be race issues, whether it be whatever we're facing. Uh, I feel heavy, so I don't know about you, but that's where I'm at this morning. So if there's one thing I will always try to be is real with you, and uh, this morning it's, it's going to be hard for me. Uh, this is hard. There are a lot of people that are suffering right now. So will you please join with me as we just pray and turn our eyes to God, who we, he's the only one that can help us. Lord, it, it, it feels like we don't even have the right words to say. Um, there is so much hurt, and there are so many people that are hurting. You can feel it, God. Lord, um, I don't pretend to have the answer, so we'll just pray to you right now and just say, Lord, would you, would you heal us? Would you heal the land? God, I don't believe you'll do that in any other way except through us. So will you help us heal the land? Will you help us be that healing force? Lord, would you give us the words to say? Would you give us the, the heart of compassion that we need? God, we're so inadequate without your spirit. Would your spirit do the work? Lord, I pray for every one of my African-American brothers and sisters in this world right now, in our country, who are hurting. Lord, would you go to them right now? Wrap your arms around every single one of them and love them so tangibly during a time where I know so many are afraid and so many are scared. God, we all know we don't operate by fear, and yet we live in this jar of clay. So Lord, would you help us to keep our eyes on you? Would you help us to keep our minds on you? That we'd stay out of petty fights and stupid stuff. And just love one another well. God, would you help us with that? We cannot do that without your help. Lord, I pray for this country. I pray for all of us as a people that you would help teach us how to love. Show us how to love well. And we rest in your strength. God, I know right now there are many who are feeling the weight of this. And Lord, it's not our weight to carry. So we offer this to you. We say, Lord, lead us, guide us, help our country, help our nation, help us as people to be a people of love. Lord, I pray that this will be a time where everything changes in every single way. Lord, we know that there is a great, great, great move coming of love straight from the Father. And if there was ever a time where we could use a piece of that, it's gonna be today. So Lord, would you bring just even a, a glimmer of that into our world? And Lord, I pray that the rest comes quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Hey, if y'all just give me a minute, okay? <laughs> yeah. Hey, we're going to talk. Oop, hello. Oh, you, thanks. Uh, we're going to talk some more about 
uh, Mr. Floyd and all that and just at the end of this message. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, God was ahead of this for me. Uh, like I said, this has been hard because, uh, as maybe you did as well, I, I, watched, I watched a man die this week. Um, murdered, in my opinion, okay? Uh, it's been hard. It's been hard to wrestle with that. So we're going to talk about that. But before we get to that, I want to turn your attention to this, this talk about God that I do believe God was before me in. And that we talk about how God is creative. And we talk about how God is something. He is all something. So as we've talked about, God is love. We've talked about how he is all love. And boy, we're going to talk about that today because that's what we need. Agape love. Not the kind of love that you and I demonstrate to each other based on stipulations, right? Conditions. But agape love. God is a cheerful giver. He is somebody who gives and gives and gives, and he gives joyously. He is so, so good, and I love that God is creative. In fact, it's one of the very first things that we see in the Bible, isn't it? Is that in the beginning, God created. When you read, when you hear that, uh, that, 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 that God created Jesus, right? When we hear John chapter 1 where we say that God so loved the world that he gave. Well, in the same way, in the beginning, God created. It's one of the very first things that we learn about him. God is this amazingly creative uh, force uh, at work. And I want to demonstrate that to you today. I love this quote by K.G. Went. It goes like this. God is not just the potter but the creator of the clay and inventor of human pottery. <laughs> so when, when he creates something, he creates something brand new as if it was never seen before. In fact, that word create comes from this word bara, which I might be saying wrong, but B-A-R-A, and it means to create something out of nothing. In the same way that somebody who would whittle something might take a piece of wood and, and carve something, and I don't know if you've ever watched somebody do that. Uh, I can make a sharp, pointy stick. You know, that's what I'm really good at, but some people can make a dolphin, you know, out of this thing. Uh, and that's the same kind of idea, is that God is so much more creative than even our ideas of being created. Uh, creative. Now, to demonstrate this, I have a young girl that I'm going to bring up on the stage. She's my daughter. Her name's Adeline, and she's going to bring up something with her as well. Come on up, Addie. Bring that with you. You guys can give her a clap, you know, as she's walking up. That'd be great. Thanks. It's my daughter. Come on. All right, Addie. Now, what you guys don't know is that it is Addie's 10th birthday, okay? So she turned 10. Happy birthday, Addie. <laughs> All right, we, we had a, let's go ahead and step up here. We had a, we had a class project this year in school, okay? And, and I got told about a day before uh, that we needed to create uh, some kind of musical instrument, right? And there were rules. What were the rules? Has to be handmade. So it can't, we couldn't buy anything from the store. We couldn't go buy guitar strings. We couldn't do any of that. We had to make everything by hand. So, Addie, why did we pick mermaids? Because they have a mermaid room. She has a mermaid room, and mermaids are awesome. That's always the answer. And so, uh, so what we did was, is Addie helped design this, and we, and we, we cut this out, and we, we made it look like a mermaid. Uh, how did we make this? How did we make the strings? Out of floss. So we worked together and we took multiple strands of floss, spun it into, in a, you know, uh, spun it to where you could put it on here. Spun it till I spun it. I like that. Sometimes you don't know where to go. Uh, but, uh, and it actually works. You actually can tune it and work and it actually all works. And can I tell you something? Uh, how, how many other kids had the guitar like this in their class? Like a couple of them? No, the answer was none. Awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
I'm just kidding with you, Addie. Thank you for sharing this. Can you guys give her uh, an applause? You can go ahead and go on. Uh, there's mommy right there. Thanks, Addie. Happy birthday. Um, so what's cool is, is that we, we, we create things, and it was fun to get to do this with, with her, of course, and uh, what's awesome is, is that when she went to class with this, right, I knew that this was speaking something about me as well, right? I mean, obviously, I wanted to be that dad who, you know, went above and beyond and all that because I love her, and I wanted her to feel proud about this, and, and so here she was. She got to do this. She, she, uh, she gets this. Uh, the, te- the teacher told her at one point, which, you know, she left this part off, but basically... Uh, you know, it was by far the best one, okay? So we're all clear. Now, she, she was humble, I'm not. Um, but the thing was, is what I love is, is that when we create things, it says something about us, okay? And so if that's true about you and me, whether the gift was thoughtful or whether the creation was inventive or creative or whatever, you have to know that God is infinitely more that way. Like, he, what he wants to say through what he creates is so much more than what I will ever get from this guitar, he demonstrates this to us. So everything, <clears throat> excuse me, everything that God made, think about this, everything that God created was for Jesus. Now, I know, you, if, we always think it's for us, right? We always put ourselves in that line. No, it was made for us. No, actually, it was made for Jesus. And what Jesus revealed later was everything that God made is at your benefit. You get it. So what's awesome is in this amazing picture is God creates everything for himself and then we get to enjoy all of it. And oh, by the way, he did all of it for us. There's this circle. There's this, there's this family unit, isn't there? There's this thing called unity. There's a union that we have. But it all was created to demonstrate Jesus. That was the idea. Now, through everything that we see, through everything uh, that God created, so let's take a look at this. Now, let's talk about what God's created for just a moment. Now, if I was Louis Giglio, I would do some, I'd lower the lights, and I'd put some keyboard on, and we'd do a cool space thing. And I think he's already done that so good, I'm not even going to attempt it. Uh, but what I will say is this. We saw, we saw something incredible yesterday, this rocket that went uh, into outer space. I don't know if any of you guys caught this. Uh, this was really, really cool, okay? And what was fascinating to me was as this was all happening, the Earth was spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, okay? Like, nobody takes that into consideration. The math involved, as you know, is, is just, well, it's astronomical. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but it was spinning, right? The Earth is spinning at 1,000 miles an hour, and then, oh, by the way, it's also orbiting the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. Oh, and we're moving through space as a galaxy at thousands of miles an hour. And yet, this, this little rocket came back down and landed on a, on a pad. I, I can't crunch those numbers, okay? That's amazing to me. Uh, but this is the kind of things that God makes. He makes this, this planet. And oh, by the way, we're only standing here and not experiencing all of that because of things like gravity, things like uh, electromagnetic fields, and all these things that, by the way, scientists are still trying to figure out. Newton and Einstein and everybody offered up their best suggestions for what gravity is, and we're still trying to figure out gravity. And God is so creative that that wasn't even difficult for him. He created all of these things. Here's a few other fun things. When God created man, okay, I want you to think about the mind for just a moment. You have 100 billion nerve cells in your brain, okay? Those are just the nerve cells. And then from there, they trunk off, you know, branch off into, into trees. You have, you have 100 trillion plus trigger points forming what's in your mind, what scientists call a neuron forest, <laughs> I mean, just think about how dense a forest is, and your mind is so much more intense than that. Every time you have a memory, every time uh, you have a new, a new thought, a new connection is being made. I mean, your mind is constantly making new connections all the time. Every time your heart beats, 
uh, 20 to 25 percent of your, your blood is flowing to your brain to give it oxygen to, to, to be able to do what it does. How about this? Uh, human teeth are just as strong as shark teeth. Next time a shark bites you, bite him back, you know? <laughs> your teeth are just as good, all right? <clears throat> Scientists estimate that the nose can recognize a trillion different scents. How many of those do we want to forget? <laughs> Probably enough. Uh, if in your lifetime you can fill two swimming pools with your saliva. How many of y'all ever kiss somebody? You're like, you got three swimming pools, you know? <laughs> Not Brooke. I'm just, I'm just saying. <clears throat> uh, you are taller in the morning, okay? So for all of you that want to get your height, the, the best height, do it in the morning. Because as the course of the day goes, you shrink a little bit. Uh, I love this, that everybody has a unique smell. <laughs> don't, don't put this to a test and start smelling your neighbor, six feet and all that, you know. But you know what's interesting is twins, they have the same smell. Isn't that interesting? I'm going to test this on my kids at some point. No, I'm not. Um, you know better than to smell kids. Uh, how about this? You cannot tickle yourself. <laughs> you ever tried? I hope not. That's kind of weird. But like you cannot tickle yourself. Your body gives off enough heat in 30 minutes to bring half a gallon of water to, to a boil. Uh, and get this, like fingerprints, every person has a unique tongue print. <laughs> you don't know what to do with that kind of information, do you? It's like, ow, wow. All right, and what's, what's, you want to know what the, the strongest muscle you have is? It's your tongue. Your tongue is. Boy. I'm telling you what, we could go on and on and on, and it is obvious that God, when he created, he thought of things that you and I just would never have thought of, okay, smelling and all these. God created, and he did something so fantastic. He showed us the manifestation of the creator through the creation. In other words, if this is so creative, if you look at each other, you look at a guitar, you look at the things that we make out of things, how much more creative is God who makes things for our good out of love for us with his creativity? Well, let's read it together because it's pretty amazing. Colossians, we're going to spend a little time in Colossians this morning as we talk about this. <clears throat> Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth. Visible and invisible, thrones, dominions, rulers, authorities... All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Oh, this is a powerful bunch of scripture. We, we, we lean on all the time because it's, I mean, it really describes just how much more amazing God is than what we can possibly imagine. But from here, we often think that God controls everything. We, we hear that everything holds together in him, and therefore God must control everything. I mean, look, I'm guilty of it too. There's just times it rolls off the tongue. You're like, ah, it's all right. God's in control, you know? God's in control. You know, maybe you've heard people say that. And I can tell you, if that's true, then coronavirus and murders and all kinds of things suddenly take on a whole new dimension. No, God is not in control. In fact, this is the most amazing thing that I've read. And in him, all things hold together, even chaos. He's able to encapsulate and hold everything together, giving every man free will to choose him and to walk with him. So, so God is, is more amazing, more creative. He doesn't need to control everything. He's also the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. So that he himself will come to have first place in everything. 
For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Think about this. The fullness dwells in him. And scripture tells us what this fullness is. It's grace. He is full of grace. It says from his promise, fullness we receive. And it's grace upon increasingly powerful grace. In other words, the gift just gets better as it keeps coming. Like God just continually gives from this place. This was the Father's good pleasure. And through him, through that good pleasure, it was to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. See, he's made peace. Think about that. God is not uh, at unrest. He's not uh, confused or, or, or scared or any of the things that you and I can experience living here. He is at perfect peace, and he's made perfect peace with everyone. <laughs> this, this picture is so different than what we commonly think. We think that God is only at peace with those who have loved him back. No, he's, he's made peace with every person. That's, that's, that's not the issue anymore. Now, am I saying that everybody knows God? Of course not. No, we need to be reconciled. We need to join the family. But there's nothing holding you back. There's nothing stopping you. God is absolutely not the one stopping you from joining the family. In fact, when we read that in the beginning God created, what we see built into the word is Jesus. And I want to show you this. That word bara that I just mentioned a moment ago, I want to break it down into the the letters, the alphabet of this Hebrew word and show you how important this is. Now, it's got three different letters, and these these letters are bet, resh, and aleph, which I may pronounce these wrong, and I'm doing my best. But bara has these three letters. Now, bet means this, house, okay? So the first picture that you have built into this word created is a house, okay? The second letter or the second picture that we, we get to see is a man's head or the, the, the most important person of the house, uh, so to speak, or the highest person. And a left means strength or God. So you have bet means house, resh means a man's head or a picture of a man's head is what I mean, and a left is a picture of the strength of God. So get this, built right on in to the the very first part of Scripture, when you read, in the beginning God created, what you have is this, is what's being said. In the beginning God revealed Jesus, is is actually what you're hearing. Because these letters mean this, Bet and Resh put together mean son. It means son, and when you add these all together, it means son of God. So built into the imagery of the word created is the son of God. You cannot get around Jesus. You cannot do anything without Jesus. You cannot create without Jesus. All things are held together in him. And in the beginning, God revealed Jesus. That's what you read when you read those first few words in Scripture. Now, we always make it about us, don't we? And it is, right? It's a story about how God planted us. But in the beginning, God revealed Jesus. And what would he do later? He would reveal Jesus again, right? He would show him to the world. But in the beginning, before anything ever was, was when this all began. And in the beginning, God created. And as John 1, 3 says, all things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And from everything that God created, through everything that he he was, was willing, right, to create through the Son, all of this wonderful stuff that you and I see, all of that still pales in comparison to, to what he made when he made us. You know, he calls you his masterpiece. Yes, you. (laughs) He looks at you and says, you're my masterpiece. 
You know, David wrote about this. He wrote about what it would look like for God to take what is unformed, which God did this in the beginning. You remember the spirit was hovering over the water, the, the, the void, the unformedness. And God forms with his hand. And David uses those same words to say that when you were in your mother's womb, God formed you. Right? He, he used his hands. He was creative in the process when he made you. Yes, we live on this earth. Yes, there are things that are confusing about that process that I don't fully understand. And yet, God thought of you. He thought of the things that intrinsically are you. And he loved every single one of those things. So he made you. He created you, David said. Your eyes have seen my unformed substance. And in your book were written all the days that were ordained for me. God has a plan. And that plan was that you would see Jesus and be reborn. Now let's talk about that. Let's talk about the next part of this thing that, that Paul talks about. Because he says that we, that the masterpiece was mangled. So he continues in Colossians and he says this, And although you were formally alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death. Boy, let's talk about that for a moment because that is an incredible part of Scripture. Listen, there are many people that believe that, there is, that God is going to judge America. Like you hear that phrase sometimes, God is going to judge America. He's going to judge America. Uh, the coronavirus, I heard people say God's judging America. Like the coronavirus is obviously God's judgment. Again, you know. Okay, according to what I just read, for God to do that, he would have to first be unjust. God could not be just and judge us for the very thing he already judged Jesus for. And Jesus went all the way to death for So that would be absolutely unjust of God. So no, I don't know if this brings uh, peace to you or not, but God is not going to judge America. Uh, No, in fact, he already judged America on the cross through Jesus. And it says it right here. Look, you were formerly alienated, yet he is now reconciled or made peace between you in his fleshly body through death. And there was a reason for that. In order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. There was a reason why we were joined to his death so we could be joined to his life and be holy and blameless, right? But there is an invitation involved. There is a come be joined, right? It's not just that if you die, that's it. It's all over. Now, there's a resurrected life that has to happen. And so he says it there. If you indeed continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, not moved away from what? The hope of the gospel that you've heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, which I, Paul, am a minister of. All right, so here's the thing, is that Paul is delivering this incredible news that's been delivered across all of heaven and all of earth, which is this, is that God has this hope that he's giving to you, a guarantee. And what he describes as that guarantee is eternal life. The hope of the gospel is eternal life. The idea that you and I can live forever and ever, that's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a thought that honestly I think we have a hard time wrapping our heads around. But here's how you get it. If indeed you continue in the faith, and so often we think that's up to us, like, okay, I'm going to continue in the faith. I'm going to keep reading my Bible. I'm going to keep going to church. That's not what that's saying. This is simply just saying if you continue to listen to God, if you continue to believe him, if you continue to be persuaded by him, what do you find? That you're steadfast. The waves come. Right, We're living in some really big waves right now, and you can find yourself still feeling steadfast even if you are emotionally moved and feeling heavy as I am today. You can still go, well, Lord, you know what? The hope that I have today, though, is not that I'll have all the answers. It's not that I can vote somebody in that'll have all the answers. No, Lord, I can just simply stand on the hope that, Lord, you are creative and you are bigger than every problem we're facing right now. 
Paul would say this. He'd say, when you understand this hope of the gospel, you have grace and peace to you, is what he says. He goes, you will experience peace even in the middle of a storm. Now, the next thing that God formed, right, we have the, in the beginning God created, and we saw how he created my, uh, man. But then in the, in the later, God formed children of God. And I want you to know something. He, he, he started over. Right? I, I love Pastor Clark's phrase. He says, God won't live in a dirty house. Right? God wasn't going to clean up the house, fix it up, whatever. He, he just burned the whole thing to the ground and he started over. He built a brand new house for you to live in. And that, 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 that house is, is Christ's. Look at this in 2 Corinthians 5.16. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. By the way, these are really good words for us right now. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Right? we got to look at each other through spiritual eyes. we got to see each other for the value that God has placed. Right? And you know, and we, and you know uh, excuse me, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. Man, tell yourself that as many times as you need. <laughs> You're old anything. And that means even the thing you just did right in the very second you did it is old. Everything has passed away that had to do with your life as a fleshly being. And you are now a spirit being who is new, created new from all brand new and will always be new. God forgets the former things. Why? Why does God forget? Because he loves and love covers a multitude of sins. Man, God is the example of love. He doesn't need to keep track of any wrongs whatsoever. He doesn't want to, so he just doesn't. (laughs) He's God and he can do whatever he wants. It's awesome. Now, all these things are from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. This is big words for us today, too. Namely, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Wow. I can't just move past that. This wasn't just for Christians. We always read this as like, oh, yeah, he's not counting my trespasses against them. No, he's not counting anyone's trespasses against them. Why? Because... We were dead, and we needed life. (laughs) So all of the rights and wrongs and things, he decided to take care of all that so that you could receive what you needed. Why? Because agape love, the character of God, who he is, his nature, goes to where the need is and fulfills it. That's what love does. And so in this way, he does this for us. God is so much more creative than remembering our trespasses. And he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, we, all of us, are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so we might become the righteousness of God in him. You have Jesus' history as your history. Your past is his past. His life is your life. Be reconciled. The gospel that we commonly share with each other generally starts with how bad we are, doesn't it? No, you know, you're a sinner and you need Jesus. Man, what if if we started with he saw the fact that sin was holding you down, and so he went ahead and took the sin of the world upon himself and took it away? So it's no longer an issue for you to believe because now you can go to God and go, wait a minute, you're the God who doesn't remember the things I've done against you? How different is that God? In fact, that's why he is the only one. (laughs) Because there is nobody else that would be like that except that if we designed him, 
We design a God that says he remembers all of our sins. We design a God that says, oh, I'm going to keep a list, and when you get up here, we're going to talk about it. Like, that's not at all what God is like. He is love, and love is so much more creative than what you and I commonly think. So Paul continues in Colossians, and he says this, that, that is, this mystery, which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. Here is this great mystery, Christ in you, the hope or guarantee of glory. This mystery that I just said was waited on for thousands of years. I mean, people were waiting so long to know what this great mystery was. In the beginning, God created and a mystery was formed. In the beginning, Jesus and a mystery appeared. And then all of a sudden, fast forward to a moment when God created this manifestation of grace on the earth. And all of a sudden, all of us said, we finally understand the great mystery of all time. What all of this was about, what all of this was headed for, was Christ in you. God living in you. Are you kidding me? Like what? God living in me. That gives me an absolute guarantee of glory, an absolute guarantee of eternal life. How are we living in any other way except fully spiritually engaged people, right? Like we have God living in us. This was a mystery at one point, but it's not for us anymore. We proclaim him, admonishing every man. In other words, teaching everybody. Have Christ in you. Have God in you. Become alive. Come to life. And everything that was your past becomes formless. And everything that is formless becomes forgotten. God absolutely takes it and just washes it all away. And he says, now I'm going to form and create in you something that you can't even imagine. That's so much better than anything we can do on our own. And we need that right now. He spiritually circumcised you and removed your old nature. You know, I, I talk to people all the time. You know, well, it's just my sin nature and I'm just leaning into my divine nature. You know, like just these two natures. Nothing in life would work well that way. <laughs> uh, we have one nature, a spiritual nature. The rest of it was circumcised from you. Don't be fooled by the fact that you see sin, that you see a mistake, that you see a momentary lapse of how good God is in your life, and, and you make a mistake. Don't be fooled by that and think that you have a sin nature. You don't. No, you have a divine nature. You have been born of the Spirit, and that's where you and I live. And by the way, that is where you and I need to be every single day. We need to live from a place that, that says that I'm not a creature of this planet, but I am, I am a divine creature of love. And if there's ever a time where we needed that, it's right now, more than ever. Look at what Isaiah said. Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. You know, we often take verses like this and we ascribe them only to a future kingdom. Let me remind you that God is the same in every way, okay? Like he doesn't change. And I love what he says here. The former things will not be remembered or even come to mind. What are your former things? Don't even worry about it. He's not remembering it either. <laughs> the former things won't even come to mind. And instead, this is your encouragement. Be glad and rejoice in what God has made, <laughs> That's what you and I get to do. Isaiah 28 says this. Just listen to this. 
This is what the Lord God says. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. The one who believes will never be shaken. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. Listen to that again. I will make justice the measuring line and righteousness the level. Do you want to know where God is when somebody dies unjustly? He is on a cross dying unjustly. He is the line of justice. He is the line of righteousness. And he demonstrates what he is worth to you. He shows this to you and to me. So that when we see things in this world that are evil, when we see things that are unjust, we can remember that God was before all of this and he's already given us the answer in Jesus. This is where we need to find our hope in everything. He made us the righteousness of him so that our measuring line would be agape love. Where do you put the line in your heart? You know, in these current world events that we're facing, do you put yourself in like, a, well, hold on, I'm still trying to get information and I need to get my thoughts and my opinions and my... You know. That's not the line you live by. <laughs> you live by the line of love. That's where you and I live. You can, you can, you can actually save yourself a whole lot of wrestling in your mind. <laughs> Just dump it. You see a need, you see somebody who's hurting, you see a situation, you can go right to it and be agape love to it because that's what's living inside of you. Listen to this, and then we're going to wrap up. God gives us a new way of knowing. And so often I believe when we come to church, we believe what we're gaining is information. And we are. We're, you're teaching you informational things. But you can take this, because Jesus said this. He goes, the words that I'm sharing with you are spirit. <laughs> it's spirit. I'm not just giving you words like you guys give each other words. No, I'm speaking spirit to you in life. So what, what's amazing here is this. I encourage you this morning. Uh, meditate on all of these things. Sit with him and allow him to turn that knowledge into something called uh, epinosis, which is experiential, experiential knowledge. When you read this in a moment, when we talk about the true knowledge of God, what he's talking about is an experience with him where you are learning his character, and by learning who he is, it illuminates your soul. We need now more than ever to invite everybody into allowing their souls to be illuminated, <laughs> to allowing uh, all of us to feel something right now and to not just feel hurt and to not just feel the anger and not just feel all of those things, but to sit with God and say, I need to experience you right now and I need to learn what it is I should do right now from you. This is the kind of knowledge that you and I have where John, like I said, in John 6, he says this is spirit and life. Listen to this last group of scripture, Colossians 3, 9 through 15. Do not lie to one another, since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge. There it is. According to the image of the one who created him. So think about this for a second. He's saying this. Don't go back to the old ways. Don't, don't go back to your old ways of thinking. We need that now more than ever. Don't go back to thinking about fairness. Don't go back to thinking about the rights. And don't go back into that space. But instead, be renewed by sitting with God. You know, if I could give a word of encouragement, I think we are a people that likes to give advice very quickly. 
We love to have the answers. And sometimes, maybe we just need to sit with God and say, I don't have any answers here. And I just need to experience you so that then I will know how to love well. He continues by describing what this renewal is. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free man, but Christ is all and in all. So everybody hear these words. As those who are of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, of kindness, of humility, of gentleness, of patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Beyond all of that, if that wasn't enough, Put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. We get to be thankful and changed by his love, and then we get to give it away. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus describes how much more powerful this is than what you and I can imagine. He goes to people and he says, hey, do you have an enemy? You can love them. Somebody hits you, you can turn the cheek and let them hit the other side. Someone wants to take from you, give it away. You cannot do that without God. Oh, it can sound so noble and yet impossible for us. But instead, Jesus says that he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. What I saw on a video this week was evil. Straight up evil. And yet God loves that police officer. And we can say yes, and yet there is this thing inside of me, right, that goes, how? How? And yet... That is God. And yet, there is more. (laughs) We are to put on love. We are to put on compassion. We are to put on kindness. I want to share just two quick stories with you and a couple thoughts, and then we're going to pray. When I got saved, I had a... uh, I was in a band, and we were thinking we were great. And... uh, (laughs) We weren't. And um, I got saved. I couldn't sing these songs anymore. I couldn't sing about depressing things anymore. I I knew Jesus now. So I had to break the band up, and I knew what that meant. It meant that my bandmates were going to lose their band too, and I was the lead guy, and I hated it. You know, and I I shared this with my drummer, and he looked at me, and he had glasses on the whole time. You could tell he was just just terribly mad at me. And and in one moment where I was just standing there sharing with them, I'm like, man, I, I don't know what to do. Like, I've been changed, and he just wheeled, you know, went back and punched me straight in the chest. I instantly began to cry. This is my friend. He just punched me straight in the chest because God saved my life. He knew how depressed I was. He knew how hooked on things I was and waking up in gutters every night. And yet he still punched me right in the chest. And I sat there in that moment. Now listen to me. This was not Javen that said these words. But when I got punched and I began to cry, I looked at him dead in the eyes and I said, if you'd like... 
I will get down on the floor and you can kick me. That wasn't me. That was God in me saying, Javen, I am with you in this moment. We need spiritual eyes during this time. I drove home one night. Y'all know, some of y'all know this story. I drove home here in Longwood, and I, uh, it was late, like 9 o'clock at night, and there was a young African-American woman. She's, she's just running, just running through Longwood, which is just strange on any night <laughs> for anywhere. She's just running, I mean, full speed. And so I'm driving along, and I look over, and I'm thinking, what is going on? And she just falls and collapses into the road. There's no other cars around. There's nobody else around. I called Brooke, and I said, hey, I, I got I to get out of my car. I got to go do something. I, I didn't, honestly, I didn't know what I was about to get myself into pulled over and I, I got out on the side of the road and I walked over to her and I said, uh, I helped her up and we sat on the curb and began to talk and her first words, and I, I know she was drunk and all that, but her first words was, I got to get out of here. I got to get home. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of Longwood. I got to get out of here. And I'm like, sure. I'm like, what's, what's going on? White people are going to kill me. White people are going to kill me. I got to get out of here. White people are going to kill me. And I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, I, well, I'm like, I, I get it. And I told her, I said, listen, I said, I don't believe that's true, um, but I will sit here with you, and I'll make sure that that doesn't happen. And as we began to speak and talk, I began to find out all kinds of things about her life, and then I finally offered her a ride home. I said, can I take you home? And, I, and she got in my car, and we drove home. She lived out in a certain part of town, and I, and I, drove, and I drove in here, and, and I'm going down the street, and can I tell you that all of a sudden I felt afraid? Because <laughs> at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, on this street, everybody was still awake and sitting outside and looking, and... I was very white in that moment, and I felt it. And I remember driving, thinking, oh, wow, this is, this is probably pales in comparison to what she was feeling a couple minutes ago when she was fearing for her life. Guys, it's real. <laughs> it's real. I, I'm sure there's all kinds of different angles and different things to consider, and, and all. it doesn't matter. None of it matters anymore. It's time that we get creative. It's time that we allow God, who is love, to get creative through us. Here's what I'm not suggesting. That you feel like it's on you to make big, grandiose statements. (laughs) You don't need to do that. What we simply do need to do is love better and love well. Teach love to our children. And stand up for what is right. This stuff with uh, George Floyd, I I personally can't get past it. I I can't. What I saw was so shockingly evil to me. I don't know what to do. I don't have answers. I'm just hurting. And I want to encourage all of us who are white, okay? You're not the enemy. But there are a lot of people who are African American who feel that way. And they're hurting. Here's what I want to encourage all of us to do is to number one, stand up for love. Stand up for what we know is right. Don't let an evil happen in front of you. I can tell you right now what broke my heart when I watched that video wasn't just the person that was dying. It was all the people that were standing by that were so terrified at helping that they couldn't because they knew they would be killed as well. You can disagree with me if you want, but I can tell you right now, I don't know how you're going to do it. (laughs) What we saw is indicative of a lot of things that our African-American brothers and sisters have been feeling for a long time. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. As creatures of love, Stay out of the political fights. Stay out of the debating. Stay out of all that stuff that doesn't matter anyway. We have agape love living in us. Which means you can go to somebody who is hurting 
which by the way, I would advise you to find somebody around you who looks a little different than you and just ask them, how are you doing? <laughs> I've done this with some friends of mine and we've sat around and had some incredible talks about racism and what they're facing. And Look, if you're white, I'm just telling you, we don't get it to some degree. You just don't. It's different, guys, and that's okay. We don't have to be offended by that. We don't have to feel defensive about that. We don't have to feel like our, our you know, all the things that we just get so wrapped up in. We can go love the way Jesus loves. So I don't have any answers. I don't have the solutions for racism except Jesus. I don't have all the things we should be doing and shouldn't be doing. And in fact, I think our world does too much of that anyway. What I would encourage us to do as a family is to sit with God, take what I'm sharing with you to heart, and go talk to him about it. Say, God, if there's areas in my heart where I've been hardened by politic and I'm just, I refuse to say the words black lives matter, I, I just can't even say that. Can I ask you, I don't understand why. I don't get it. Black lives matter. Black lives matter. Yeah, all lives matter, I know that. Everyone knows that, Jesus showed that but black lives matter. Let's stand up as a people and say that together to be a people for a time that says, hey, if you wonder if we care, we do. And you know what? We're gonna do that not because of any other reason except love, and we want you to know how loved you are, period. And then get ready for some uncomfortable times because that person might wanna share what they really feel. You can do it, guys. You can listen. You can be empathetic. We can love each other in a way that we can see true healing happen in our country. Guys, I meant what I said on the front end, and I end with this. I know many of us go to the book of Chronicles, and during this coronavirus, I was honestly very confused at how many people went to Chronicles. Guys, look, it's, it's wonderful to look at Scripture and look at how what God does. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's awesome. But when we're praying in Chronicles, Lord, if we will humble ourselves and we, we, won't you heal our land, do you understand that God answered that prayer already? He answered it in Christ. He said, okay, I will. <laughs> Here you go. Here's Jesus. So to all of us in this room, especially those of us who are white, guys, it's within us. <laughs> you can do it. You can put down your thoughts. You don't need to have your thoughts right now and we can just go love, amen? God has put that healing in us to go share with the world, so let's go share it together. God, this is above my pay grade. Lord, this is above all of us. Lord, will you start with me? Will you show me how to love my African brothers better? Will you show me how to listen I'm not very good at it. But Lord, I want you to help me with it. Lord, would you help all of us during a time that's uncomfortable to get creative because we can, because you are creative? Will you help us to see the need in our brothers and sisters that are right around us? And will you keep us from ever going back? Let this change us, Lord. Let systems of racism crumble. Let systems that are holding people down get destroyed. Let our prides and our egos and our self-defensiveness and all that junk die. 
And let us be a people of love. Show me, Jesus. Show me. All right, this morning I want you to stand with me. And we're going to sing one last time. Let God speak to you during this time. Thank you.